glad to be here today, and it's good to be converted and sanctified this morning. I, <clears throat> Sister Lisa, I had it all together before you uh, mentioned that song. I, um, I, I mean that. I, uh, <clears throat> my grandmother, um, I think it was the night before she passed away, was making notes, and Granny Paul asked her, you know, what are you, what are you writing? She wouldn't tell him, wouldn't show it to him, and they found it later. She was writing out what she wanted sung and said at her funeral um, the night before she passed away. And that song, which I didn't hardly know that song until then, Uncle Kenneth, you know, made sure we knew it. And somehow we got through singing it at her funeral. But but I won't walk without Jesus. I won't talk without Jesus. Um, I refuse. I refuse to live one day as before. And I won't go. Without Jesus, it just ain't so without Jesus. Because everything that I would do, I just won't do without the Lord. And that, that became a, a testimony song for me. Uh, not just for me, I think. For a few of us others too. But um, this Bible here, um, kind of beat up, letters falling apart, was a gift from Grenade Paul and Grandma Mary when I was 11 years, 10 years old. After I got sanctified at Camp Meeting that Christmas, I wanted a Thompson Chain Reference Bible. So they got me a Thompson chain reference Bible and I've been using Amen. it ever since. And, um, and I thought, you know, this, this camp meeting I'm staying, um, we, we purchased my uncle Charles and Aunt Evelyn's cabin that, uh, Mr. Joe Edwards had built and, um, and uncle Charles passed away a week ago today. I've got my, I've got that right. And, um, I tell you what, we had the, had the funeral that Saturday <clears throat> and just to hear the testimony um, you know, through the ones that were there with him when he passed home. Um, think about this, guys. Um, he passed away with a family gathered around, singing, Oh, what comfort it brings as my soul sweetly sings. I'm safe from all danger while under his wings. And, <clears throat> and I think about these things, and I think about this campground, and uh, the ones that I've, you know, Dad just mentioned to me this morning, just thinking as we're standing out there for the picture, all of us together. How many of those there are that aren't there that were here 10 years ago, that were here 12 years ago? Um, I miss them. <laughs> I know you do too. Um, and I'm thankful. My goodness, I'm staying in Uncle Charles's cabin, and I'm so thankful. We, 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 we're here at spring and just kind of going through the stuff. And, um, oh, and it moved me. Um, Dad mentioned some, uh, Saturday at the funeral just about the, just the, the gospel records and tapes and DVDs and but there's stacks of writings, you know, from Mr. Joe Edwards and from Uncle Charles and Aunt Evelyn. And, um, just, you, you could tell from the things that they had. They loved Jesus. Um, it wasn't a put on. It wasn't a show. It wasn't fake. It mattered in their privacy. In their privacy, the things that they weren't on display, it was about Jesus. Um, you know, that's what a sanctified life is. Um, and I think about my grandparents and different ones as I was coming up. I got sanctified young. They made the gospel attractive to me. Yes, um, I believed it. You know, I was taught it from a child, but the way it was modeled in front of me, you know, kids know. <laughs> kids kind of know when you're fake. They know when you're real. They have just an intuition that way. And they were real. You know, it was a real experience, and it was, and it's still attractive to me today. A genuine, sanctified life is an attractive thing to me. Um, it's a beautiful life, right? We've been singing that song some at home. But um, like I said, I had it all together before he oh, <laughs> got going on that. But... <clears throat> Amen. God. 
you know what it's like that for your soul to sing? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> it's one thing to sing a song, make it sound good. But when your soul sings, yeah. and when something inside of you just, just, just comes out. That'll last longer than your voice. It'll last longer. That's right. I'm about to lose my voice already. Uh, y'all pray for me this morning. I'm, uh, I woke up this morning with a song, with a, with a thought on my mind. Just, I've been, I have, y'all know me, if you know me. I have a lot of thoughts. They just they just come and they sometimes, you know, and I have a hard time harnessing it. I woke up this morning with just the Holy Ghost on my mind. Um, and it's been on my mind off and on, but I woke up this morning just the Holy Ghost. Um, do you have the Holy Ghost in your heart this morning? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Do you have that? Do you have that? <clears throat> I... I and I'm just going to go through just what was on my mind this morning, if that's okay with you. Uh, the end of the 12th chapter of Hebrews, he writes, Wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. <laughs> and I got to thinking about that Holy Ghost. Right. And fire. Amen. And John the Baptist came preaching, and he said, I indeed baptize you with water to repentance, but there cometh one after me who's mightier than I. The latchets of whose shoes I'm not even worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. <clears throat> I believe that this morning. I thought about as you look through the scriptures, in the very beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it says, The earth was without form and void, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. It was here from the beginning. It's always been here. It has been God's, um, I don't even know the word for it. It's almost His emissary on earth. The thing, the the part of God that works here among us is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God. And God created, you know, He created the birds, He created the fish, He created the plant, He created everything that we see and hear. It does say, but he created man in his own likeness and his own image. That man laying there and said he breathed in him the breath of life. That Holy Ghost came inside that man and he became a living soul. It says there in the first chapter of Genesis. And that man, that woman walked with God. There in the cool of the day, they had communion with God. Can you imagine? Paradise. The garden that's designed just for them. Everything is for you to eat. Everything's here for you. There was no labor. There was no work. It wasn't by the sweat of their brow they ate. Everything was provided for them. And they walked and communed with God. But they turned against God. Our parents, Adam and Eve, they rebelled against God. The one commandment He gave them, He rebelled against. And you know folks want to kind of talk bad about Adam and Eve. I'm not sure that any one of us would have stood up to the tempter. You know, in that day, in that time, they turned against God. Um, And the real tragedy is they lost the Holy Ghost. They lost that spirit of God. God set angels with flaming swords of fire in between him and them. So they couldn't get to the tree of life. They couldn't have access to him. It was lost. That very thing. And I, I can't help but think, as Brother Mitch preached here some years ago, just about we were designed... To hold the Spirit of God. It's what we were designed for. It's what we're made for. And we lost it. We lost that. And you saw it, men, just in their recklessness and in their hatred and in their envy and in their jealousy. They went out and just spread wickedness through the earth. um, To the point where God went to Noah 
and said, I, I can't find anybody but you, a preacher of righteousness. And him and his house were saved. But you go on and you look, you just see evidences of the Trinity, of God and the Father, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost throughout the Old Testament. He still wanted interaction with them. He still desired relationship with them. And you saw where Moses <clears throat> went out from Egypt and he was out in the wilderness there tending to his sheep and he turned aside because he saw a bush that was on fire. But it wasn't consumed. This wasn't any natural fire. This was an unnatural thing. This was something different. Um, it was the Holy Ghost. It was the fire of God and that bush that spoke to him and gave him commandment concerning taking the people out. Um, and it's the same way today. If you're going to get out of Egypt, it's going to be because of the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Ghost moves on a person, moves on a sinner, um, it begins to show you where you're at and show you where you need to be. It would help get you out. <clears throat> They got out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And they get across, you know, out in the wilderness there. And God provided a pillar of a cloud by the day and a fire by night. It was the Holy Ghost there to protect them. It stood between them and the Egyptians. It stood and helped guide the way and showed them where, when it picked up and started to move, they better pick up their tents and go. We sang, the, uh, we sang that song about the old Israelite new. And we kind of snicker at some of the, the way it's written a little bit. But, you know. When the trump sounded, it was because the spirit had got up and was going. You better, you better get your stuff. You better be ready to jump. You better get your stuff up and go. We got to follow the Holy Spirit of God. That's right. It went on, and we have the. I don't know. You kind of move from there. Mount Sinai. Moses was called out, and the glory of God came down on that mountain in fire and vapor and smoke. I believe that was just the power of the Holy Ghost that was there. He came down with the law. They built the tabernacle. Oh, man, you start to read that story and start to understand that it's what, it, what it represents. And, man, it's good. <clears throat> but they built it. They called all the people together. He dressed Aaron up and his sons and washed them. And they started to prepare that sacrifice. Yeah. And they got it just right and laid it there on the altar. And yeah. the fire came down sure from heaven and consumed yeah. that. It was the Holy Ghost the blessing them. That's right. When we get our heart prepared in the right place, yeah. the Holy Ghost will come. <clears throat> but his sons... Oh, what a tragedy. His sons got all excited about it. So, man, this is good stuff. And so they put a different kind of sacrifice on the altar. So see how that goes. And the fire came from the altar and slew them. God wasn't pleased with that. He didn't want strange fire on his altar. And it's the same way today. We don't control the Holy Spirit. We don't control the Holy Ghost. It seems like sometimes in, in church organizations and with people, and sometimes perhaps we can be a little guilty of this. We want to get everything just the right way so the Holy Spirit will show up. It don't work that way. <laughs> We've got to follow the Holy Ghost. We have to go where it goes, not try to direct it where we want it to go. Um, it's that same way today. If we, when we get sanctified, we have to, part of our consecration to God is whatever you tell me to do. I'm going to do that. Wherever you tell me to go, I'll go there. Whatever you tell me to do, that's what I'll say. And I see sometimes and. In my teenage years, you know, by and by you get to a point where you start to want something that maybe you're not sure about. Maybe you do know, but you don't want to be sure about. And you start to head off in your own direction. The Spirit of God isn't something that's just going to follow you wherever you go like a dog. It doesn't work that way. We've got to make sure we're in the will of God. We've got to make sure we're in that way. I thought about on Mount Carmel. The whole nation had been given over to idolatry. They had a king and a queen Jezebel. That was taking the whole nation just headlong into just the worst of it. Idolatry. You know what? And there's a lot of people worried today. You know, yeah, our country's in a mess. Um, But I I appreciate Uncle Bernard's exhortation Saturday night. 
Let the dead bury the dead. There's only so much I can do by that, but I can serve God. And it tells me in my Bible that the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knows them that are His. And let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So if we have any work to do, it's to depart from iniquity. And make sure we're clean. Make sure we're in the right way. And it goes on and talks about the vessels of honor and dishonor. If a man will purge himself from these, get rid of the junk. Get rid of the stuff. The Lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily beset us. Then we can be a vessel into honor. Sanctify and meet for the Master's use. That's the work we need to be engaged in with that. They had all those prophets of Baal up there on that mountain. 500 and something of them, if I've got the number right. Sacrificing all day long. And Elijah, there by himself. There by himself. And they had set this thing up to where we're going to build an altar. You do everything you need to do. Prepare it for your God, for Baal. I'll prepare my altar for, to, for the true God by myself. And the God that answers by fire, let him be God. They worked all day long. They worked themselves into a frenzy. Cut themselves, you know, sacrifice, trying to control it. Elijah sat, kneeled down, and as a sister prayed this morning, his prayer was short. His words were few, but he trusted in God. He trusted in the living God. And when he prepared that altar, covered it with water, the fire of God fell down and consumed all of it. Licked it all up. It's the Holy Ghost that came down. And it's the same way for us today. Guys, we don't need an army of people. We don't need all the tremendous resources. We need the Holy Spirit. That's what we need. It's exactly what we need. And I think sometimes, I'm a church kid. Y'all know me from when I was young. I'm familiar with the Spirit. Yeah. I'm familiar with how it moves in meeting, right? You know, and sometimes I think, you know, the, 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 there's a phrase that says familiarity breeds contempt. <clears throat> Some cases that seems to be true a little bit. I think sometimes we look yeah. around and say, well, we don't have as much as that or that or that or the other. Or, right. You know, we're looking at how to reach out to folks in Charlotte. And folk, the Holy Spirit, Holy yes. Spirit. Right. Yeah. is the answer. It's not by might. It's not by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord God. And if we're going to conquer, if we're going to do anything, I want it to be with the spirit. Guys, we can do an awful lot on our own. I don't want to do it without the spirit of God. I don't want to be found in that position. Um, Our God is a consuming fire. I thought about as it came down. And they got down to, of course, John the Baptist and Christ came. And he hung there on that cross. He was the sacrifice that had been foreshadowed for so long. Um, and he died there. He carried yes, my he sin, your sin. Yes, the whole did. sins of the whole world were on his shoulders. Right. And as he died there and gave his blood, gave that sacrifice and took the place of us and our yes. sin that we deserved, yes. all the guilt that was and on right. our hands right. was poured out on him in death. Right. And he laid there in that tomb. He was dead. He was dead. Right. But God raised him from yeah. the dead. By the Spirit, it says, and if it says of the Spirit of Him that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you, then He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. There's a power to this thing. It's not... Power of the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. And I see after that, and uh, again, I have stuff turned down. I'm not 100% sure even where to start reading, but uh, the uh, apostles... Those disciples. Yeah. Oh, we had Peter, and I remember Uncle Ray preaching about Peter so strong. <clears throat> he was a denier. He, he was the one that said, God, I'll stand for you. I'll stand for you. Jesus at one point said himself, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before God in the presence of the holy angels. Don't you think that was in Peter's mind? 
Christ told him, he said, this night shall all men forsake me. Peter said, I'll never, never forsake you, Lord. I think a lot of us feel that way. Lord, I'll never forsake you. But man, when the heat was turned on, when the pressure was on, when his life was on the line, I don't know him. I don't know the man. To the point where they said, no, we saw you with him. And he began to curse and to swear to prove to them he wasn't with Jesus. His disciples didn't talk that way. He went out and proved it. I'm not his disciples. And in one place it says that Jesus looked at him. Oh, can you imagine that? Turned and looked at him. And Peter turned, wept bitterly and ran off. Peter the denier. But I tell you what. After the resurrection, Christ came and took some time with those disciples. Which I appreciate. It tells me about God. He's a God of second chances. Jesus took those men that that ran from him. Cursed and swore. Denied him. He came back to them and met with them. And he turned to Peter. He said, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, yeah, I love you. He said, feed my sheep, Peter. <clears throat> Three times he asked him, do you love me? Do you love me? Yes, I love you, Lord. He was grieved. Are you sure? Yes, feed my sheep. Um, he said at one place that he had prayed for Peter. <clears throat> Jesus prayed for Peter. Satan's desire to sift thee as wheat. And I think that's Satan's desire for every one of you. For every one of us. Don't, 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 don't think. <laughs> don't think that Satan's not after you. Don't think that he's not still the deceiver. He doesn't come. I remember Angerian talking years ago, right after I got sanctified. He doesn't come up and present something in front of you ridiculous. Something you would obviously turn away from. <clears throat> he comes in in sneaky little ways. Presents things that might... Might be okay. Yeah. Well, it's things we're attracted to. That's the kind of things Satan puts out in front of us. He's still the deceiver. He's desired to sift us as wheat. But Jesus told him, He said, But I pray for you. I pray for you. And when you're converted, strengthen the brethren. He's there to help us, folks. He's there to help us. He's there to help us. Oh, but he met with them, you know. But Peter, he uh, even after being there with Jesus after the resurrection, I guess he decided he didn't know what to do. So he said, Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go fishing. I'm going to go back to work. He was a fisherman by trade. He said, I guess this is over. I'm going back to work. Fish, didn't catch anything. You know, saw Jesus on the shore. <clears throat> Jesus said, come and die. You don't need that stuff anymore. You don't need that old way of providing for yourself. Trust me. Trust me. I'll take care of you. But I tell you what, those men, you look at them, they were men. I have thoroughly enjoyed this year reading through the Gospels and through Acts and just... These were men, just like me and just like you. They were people. You know, they got discouraged. They got down. They got worried. They got tired and they got hungry. They got, they had problems at home. They were men. They were people. But on that day of Pentecost, let's read that. That's all right with y'all. I don't, I don't mind being a little flexible with this thing. Jesus told them, he said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And they stayed there. He told them to tarry in Jerusalem till you be endued with power on high. He had been, they had been with Jesus after Pentecost. They met with the, uh, the Sanhedrin and different ones and they took note that these were ignorant and unlearned fishermen. Well, they've been with Jesus. I guess they learned something. They forgot they had the Holy Ghost. They couldn't see that part of it. <clears throat> 
when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came from a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them cloven tongues like as of fire. Did you catch that? And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them up. That was the same fire that was with them in the wilderness. The same fire that fell on that altar on Mount Carmel. Is that same fire. That's right. They were living sacrifices. That same fire came in inside of them. It didn't consume them like, the, like that bush that wasn't consumed. It didn't, but it cleaned them up. It cleaned them up. It's the same thing for us. If we don't have the Holy Ghost inside of us, we don't have life. We need the fire of God inside of us if we're going to make it. <clears throat> he said that same Peter that had denied and had ran and cursed and swore stood up with the Spirit of God in his heart. And he said, these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing as but the third hour of the day. But this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my Spirit. And they shall prophesy. I will shew wonders in heavens above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon into blood. And that happened. That happened at the, at the, at the crucifixion, before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah tonight. I'm thankful for what God's done for us in that way. And I'm so thankful that I'm in a church that teaches about the Holy Spirit. I'm so thankful for it. I tell you what, that same Spirit that worked with them is the same Spirit that worked with me. And I was thinking my daughter's getting older than I want her to be. She's nine years old, and I remember being a ten-year-old boy sitting on the bench there in the Cary Church and fighting with God. I was under conviction. I didn't half know what to call it. You know, <clears throat> but the Spirit of God was working with me. Yeah. Was working with right, me. Right. I think about that now. Oh, and it's humbling to me. That same Spirit that we read about right. is the same Spirit that works with you in the benches. Right. When you feel that Spirit starts moving and know oh, it starts to prick yes. your heart. <clears throat> That's the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the Spirit right. of God, the same wind that moves through heaven. Yes. It's the same yeah. thing that touches your heart. Yes. Right. <clears throat> and I remember coming to camp meeting that year. Yeah, I remember that year. <laughs> I remember coming to camp meeting that year, and <clears throat> I remember a couple of nights laying there in bed in the cabin, couldn't sleep. I was ten years old, and I couldn't sleep. I was scared to go to sleep. I was just—it was the call of the Lord. It was the Holy Spirit working with me. Amen. <clears throat> and I remember. And I'll never forget the moment <laughs> that I broke loose and said, I want to be sanctified. Amen. And stood up right. from that bench and made a start to that altar. I don't remember, as so many others have said, I don't remember the walk to the altar much. Yeah. I don't have to remember anybody that was around except for Uncle Otho and my mom. Um, Uncle Otho was a little hard to ignore. <laughs> Beat me on the back. But you know what? He gave that 10-year-old boy some good advice. Yeah. He said, tell the Lord you'll do what he wants you to do. Tell the Lord you'll go where He wants you to go. That's right. Tell the Lord you'll be what He wants you to be. Amen. Tell the Lord you'll say what He wants you to say. Amen. And I made that commitment to God. Yeah, <clears throat> and that next day I came back and knelt over this altar. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, uh, 
I tell you what, when I got my sins forgiven, even at 10 years old, it was a burden lifted. Oh, it felt good, that burden off my shoulders. But I knelt there and I was praying for God's spirit to come into my heart and sanctify me. I knew that I needed it. You know, I was only 10, but I, man, I had some hatred in my heart. I had envy in my heart. There was a dose of pride. <clears throat> there were some things there. There were things I had hid from my parents I knew weren't right. That sin nature was there. And it was rampant in that little 10-year-old boy. <clears throat> and I prayed for his spirit to come in, and I didn't know how it would come. I didn't know quite what the feeling would be, but I tell you what, a peace yeah. came into my heart. <clears throat> a peace came into my yeah, heart. Right. No more turmoil. No more wrestle. No more struggle. No Amen. more laying in bed at night and scared to go down. to sleep. The fire came down. Amen. The fire came down and came in. And I, ain't, I don't. I'm not even looking at that clock. I have no idea how we're doing with that. Um, but I want to read this to you. I'm thankful for the way the Holy Spirit works with us after we get sanctified. Amen. And I'm becoming more and more thankful for it. The same spirit that sanctifies us, that removes that carnal nature and fills us and keeps us, is the same spirit that teaches us, the same spirit that shows us where to go and who to be. I'm learning. Yeah, I've had good examples for fathers, a good example of friends, but the Holy Spirit is teaching me how to be a good father. Amen. All the time. <laughs> He's teaching me. He's teaching me how to be a good brother and how to be a good friend, how to be a good husband. The Holy Spirit's teaching me that. <clears throat> I hope you all understand that this morning. But Jesus told them in the 16th chapter of St. John, it's recorded. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will shew you things to come. And I've often scratched my head a bit over this verse, I'll, this scripture, I'll, you know, but I feel like the Lord gave me a little insight to it, and I'd like to share with you this morning, hopefully it'll, it'll be good for you too. Um, you know, when Jesus was there with them, <clears throat> he was able to expose their sin. Right. He, he spoke very directly. He could see men's hearts. Right. Men would come to him, and I, you know, they were robed in their righteous robes, and people thought they were great, and he looked right through their eyes and yeah. said, you're a hypocrite. Right. Right. He, knew, he knew their heart. He knew their heart, but he was leaving them. Jesus wasn't going to be there anymore. So he told them when he has come, the Spirit of God, he will expose your sin. He will reprove the world of sin. And it's that way this morning. When the Spirit of God moves on you, when He moves on a sinner, He exposes sin. You can't hide from the Holy Ghost. And that's true for sanctified people. We can't hide from the Holy Ghost. If there's anything in our lives that doesn't line up with what God's will is, the Holy Ghost will expose it. 
I want Him to. I want Him to the fire of God to try us and show us the things we need to lay aside and the things we need to take home. And He will do the same for you. It was that Holy Ghost that convicted me when I was 10 years old. Thank God for it. Amen. Of righteousness. Oh, you know, Jesus was... Think about this. This, 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 this thought has just... I've enjoyed it. Um, Adam was created a perfect man with the Spirit of God in his heart. But he died a sinner. And from that time forward, there was not a man anywhere that died without sin, without having sin. Christ came who knew no sin. Neither was guile found in his mouth. And he he died on the cross. Pure, without sin. He was the only man that had ever died without sin. He was a righteous man. He was our example of how a man with the Holy Ghost can live free from sin. But he was leaving them. But when the Holy Ghost comes, he can teach us what righteousness is all about. He can keep us pure. He's the one that can teach us all these things. There's no... It seems like there's so many churches and so many groups of people and just people in general, and I tend to do it to myself sometimes, is put ourselves in this little box of rules listed down have a manual for how to live holy. It don't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Even with all the good teaching we had when I was a kid, it seems like we find a way to get around it if we want to. There's a way to find a loophole. We can kind of honor it to the face of what it is, but then find a, you know? It doesn't work that way. The Spirit of God is what teaches us holiness. It's what teaches us righteousness. It has to come from the inside out. It has to come from the inside out. And of judgment. Christ said over and over, all judgment is given into my hand. He is the righteous judge. He is the one that can divide right from wrong. People might misunderstand what you do or what you say. From the outside looking in, it might look right or wrong to me. But Jesus knows. He knows your thoughts. He knows the intent when you do the things you do. And the Holy Spirit communicates that to us. It communicates that to us. Keeps us in check. Shows us what's right. Shows us what's wrong. Oh, we need the Holy Ghost this morning. I've been praying. You know, the Holy Ghost is that third person in the Trinity. It's not just like electricity you turn on with a light switch. It's not just some kind of goosebump feeling. He is God. It is God the Spirit visiting us. I want the Holy Ghost here with us. I'm thankful for the way I felt in this camp meeting. I want Him to work not just in our meetings. I want Him in our cabins. I want Him in the cafeteria. I want Him in our interactions. I want Him in the nursing home. I want Him everywhere we go. I want Him in our Charlotte meetings. We need the Holy Ghost there with us. We need the Holy Ghost there with us. Um, I tell you what, there's some of you here that I love dearly this morning. Dearly this morning. And some of you tell me I'm doing okay. I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm curious as to what measure you, uh, you use when you say I'm okay. Because I want you to know it's not just about feeling okay. It's not just about, you know, I think I've got it together. That's not what we're talking about. Do you have the Holy Ghost? Do you have the Holy Ghost? It's the thing that you need this morning. It's the thing that's going to let you... Have entrance into heaven. I tell you what, we've been singing about heaven, and I've been awfully excited about heaven recently. I I made the statement to myself a while back. Um, Sometimes you decide on something, and God kind of says, you know, that's not quite right. I thought a while back, I don't know, five, six years ago, I just don't know about heaven songs. You know, really? 
You know, I'm 30 years old. Why do I want to see my heaven songs, you know? Oh, man, and God's completely flipped me around on that. And I think what it is, he gave me a little glimpse. Just a little bit. What heaven's going to be like. Just a little taste of it. I want to go to heaven. I want to make it. I don't think there's anybody here that believes in heaven that doesn't want to go. But I tell you what. Heaven's a holy place. Yeah, It's a holy place. And, and Uncle Steve, I agree with you. I, last night you mentioned that you don't think the Bible really gives us a good description or a description of what heaven's like. I said, okay, you know, I, I agree with you. I think that's right. He tells us what New Jerusalem's like. He tells us what the kingdom we have here today is like in the spirit with the Holy Ghost. And it's a holy place. I can't be in this new Jerusalem if I've got sin in my heart. If I'm rebelling against God in any way. I can't be in this. And it's the same thing with heaven. If you want to make it to heaven. When you stand after the day of your death, you stand before Jesus Christ. The thing he's looking for is not your good deeds. He's not looking for how much you gave. He's not looking for how much you loved somebody else. He's looking for the Holy Ghost. He's looking for evidence that you serve God. He's looking for evidence that you accepted the sacrifice that he made for you. You need the Holy Ghost. There's a story that uh, Aunt Peggy Bennett told in Wilmington some time back, and it comes back to mind, and I thought about it last night. And it was some relation of hers. I'm sure they'll correct me pretty good after I try to relay it to you. You know how that goes. But the story goes way back, I think, early 1900s, late 1800s, sometime in that time period. There was a ship that capsized in the northern Atlantic, freezing waters, and two or three men escaped, you know, made it. But they were stranded on an ice floe out there in the North Atlantic. No hope, you know, night falling, freezing cold temperatures, they're wet, they ain't going to make it long. And the ship was sent out searching rescue for for those men, and they saw the smoke of the ship off in the distance and they hollered and they screamed best they could in their weakened state couldn't get the attention of that ship and someone on that ship looking out looking 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 saw a plume of smoke rise and said turn the ship around and those men in their desperation to get on that boat had stripped their garments off and lit them on fire yep. and a last gasp effort to get on that boat They knew this was it. There was no other chance. There was no hope of rescue if that boat didn't turn around for them. And I think about some of you. This might be the last boat. This might be the last chance you have. You don't know what's coming tomorrow. You don't know. What are you willing to do to get on the boat? What are you willing to do to serve God and make it to heaven? It's going to take everything we've got. But if we make a start for God, that Holy Spirit will help us. If you just stand up and say, I want to go and start to make, make a start for that altar, the Holy Spirit will help you on the way and help you through. Um, let's all stand. If any of you are feeling the call of God this morning, come forward and let's pray this morning.